welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. There are only a handful of hairdressers that truly deserve the title iconic. But my guest today is Mr. Tim Hartley, and he is certainly one of them. Tim is the former International Creative Director of the Sassoon Organization, and over a long career, he has influenced a generation of haircutters with not just how he cuts hair, but also with his thoughts about hair and fashion and his understanding of all the references that the wider fashion world draws on. That's one of the reasons that I love talking to him, because whether it's from art or architecture or music and popular culture, he's a wealth of inspiration. Since leaving Sassoon 16 years ago, Tim has continued to shake things up under his own brand, and still to this day, he has a lot of wisdom, passion, and a genuine love for the craft that is not only rare to find, but also very inspiring. So in today's podcast, we talk about the process of creativity, how hair fashions evolve, and Tim's new project called Tim Hartley Hair World, and how COVID might impact on hair fashions. and lots more. So, without further ado, welcome to the show, Mr. Tim Hartley. So, welcome to my guest today, Mr. Tim Hartley, who is not only a longtime friend of mine, but also a a creative mentor and someone I've looked up to for an enormously long time in my hairdressing career. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, Anthony. I'm thrilled to be here talking to you today. Well, we've had many a conversation over the years, uh, talking about you know all things hairdressing and coming at it from many different angles. Uh, and here we are today. Neither of us are twenty five anymore. Um, we've both done an enormous amount in the industry. We've gone in different directions, but you know we've both achieved a lot. We've both done a lot, and we both share similar heritages. But what I want to ask you is, what is it that keeps you going? Because you're as hungry and as passionate today as what you've ever been? Well, wow, that's a great question. Um, I'm glad you asked me that, actually, because I think that, you know, I always think about doing stuff with love and good grace and passion. Um, It's something that um, I think we all share that, actually. And um, But having a passion for what we do, um, I I feel is so important. And what I really believe is that, you know, hairdressing is a very important subject, um, for which there's endless things that we can talk about today. But I would say to you that, you know, my career has been my best friend. It's been the thing which has given me probably the most satisfaction apart from my family and friends. Um, I would say that hairdressing has been a great friend to me. and that keeps me energized and wanting to do more. Okay. Well, as usual, you know, I always like conversations with you because you say some very articulate and very insightful things. And, um, you know, this is, um, I've done well over 50 of these podcasts now. This is the first first time I've, you know, had the pleasure of interviewing you for it. And I, I try and approach all the guests that are on it in different ways. And, the, the sort of overriding you know, principle that I always set out to do is I, I think of our audience and I think to myself, okay, what is the person listening to this going to take away from it? And I know that you know, listening to you, it's not going to be practical things about how to run a better business, so to speak, but I would like to think that when people listen to this, that they're going to walk away with a better understanding about how to think about their business and how to think about longevity and how to think about their team and how to think about their work differently. Because I always think that you bring a lot of unique insights to not just what you do with your hands, but it, it's like that perfect, you know, sort of combination of head, heart, and hands. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, I don't necessarily even have a lot of direct questions for you, but. You know, I want you to, to, to talk 
you know, to that. Um, you know, for example, uh, you know, before we got on this recording, we were we were having lunch, and uh, um, I was saying to you how you know when I watch you cut hair, that you know, there's some people you watch cutting hair, and it's a bit of a painful thing to watch them, and and, and other people you watch them cut hair. And it's a bit meaningless, even though the end result might be good. The actual watching of them doing it is it's a bit meaningless. Maybe that's the wrong way to describe it, but it doesn't entertain you. But when I watch you cut hair, when I see the way you handle hair with, with your hands, the way you work with it, just the way you look at it, the way you touch it, you, you sort of bring something different to it. And it's not technique. I mean, obviously, your technique's great, but... And I don't know if I'm getting too esoteric talking about this, but that there's a a way that you work with hair that is very entertaining. Even before you've opened your mouth, I just watch you working with it. I look at your hands, and you know that you're in the presence of someone who's a master with a pair of scissors. So I don't even have a question. It's more an observation that I want you to to talk about. What is that? Because I don't know if you can teach it, but the more you can tap into that, the better. Wow. I mean, that is an amazing question. I would say to you that, um, you know, I'm really flattered by what what you've said, and Anthony, flattery will get you everywhere. (laughs) But um, being serious, what I really believe in right now is – that you know the thing that really always stops me in my tracks is beauty in every form and everyone has a way of looking beautiful and we as hairdressers have this unique uh, opportunity to bring beauty and glamour and all all measure of things to people's lives we can change people's lives um, with a pair of scissors and you know that's a wonderful statement which i stole from somebody else, by the way. It's not mine. Um, <laughs> that wasn't really mine uh, to tell. But I can remember in the early days working with Vidal, and he would say to me, um, Tim, can I borrow your scissors? And he would say, with this pair of scissors, you know, we can change people's lives. And I've said this many times, but that brings the level of hairdressing into the same category as your dentist or your anyone who you would go to as a professional um, to look after your best interests. (laughs) And it makes hairdressing important the way that it should be. And what I really believe in right now is the fact that forget, um, you know, people talk about different camps, you know, in hairdressing. I think that hairdressing now needs to be a fusion of everything. So it needs to be about uh, technique, but it also needs to be about feeling and connecting with people and having the passion to make people feel and look better. And I also really believe that, you know, it's a two-way process because the client needs to, um, I think there's, there's room for education not only with hairdressers, but I think for our clients too, because I feel as though people perhaps haven't been as exposed to ideas in hair in recent years that they were in in times past, and we can talk about that obviously uh, later on. But what interests me now is that fusion between having the hands and the skills to um, make hair do what you want it to do, but also engaging the brain and the eyes with the hands to create something with with feeling. And feeling is a thing which is a little bit of a difficult one to describe. But your feeling is about your flair, about the way you see things, about uh, looking at things perhaps in a different way. I'll never forget um, listening to... Um, a documentary one time about Lucino Visconti and Maria Callas. And when uh, Visconti was teaching uh, La Callas to act, he said to her, all you have to do is listen to the music. And this was such a kind of poignant thing. And I'll, I'll tell you why this interests me is because when I was about 15 or 16, 
I found Andy Warhol's Interview magazine. And of course, suddenly I was all about Nico and the Velvet Underground. Um, but I also found out that they played Maria Callas full blast in the factory when they were doing the screen prints. Mm. So as a 15-year-old, I went to Banks's Music in, uh, in York and bought uh, the Velvet Underground and Bohem sang by um, Maria Callas. So my parents thought I'd come completely bonkers, you know. Yeah. But that kind of contrast of, of things is what really interests me. So, you know, the study of hair and the precision of hair, I have my roots firmly in Sassoon, but I also have my Timmy land, my Timmy world, whatever you want to call it. Now I call it my hair world. And in, within that hair world, my influences are built around beauty and glamour as well as precision. So I think it's very important to realize that the new now is really about incorporating those elements together. Because people used to say, well, there's a, there's a Sassoon look or there's a, a French-Italian look. Mm -hmm. uh, Tony and Guy would be a good uh, example of that. Um, but I don't believe that there is the big divide anymore within the industry. I think that the, you know, I think to be relevant for now you have to be a fusion of both of those things. You have to be able to incorporate the feeling with the technique. And I, I really can't stress that enough. Yeah. One of the things that, that we've talked about before is how when you look back over, say, the last 50 years, so, you know, you look at the 60s and there's the, the you know, the pop thing. You look at the 70s and it was, uh, you know, the hippie decade, you know, the 80s, the punk decade, the 90s is, is grunge or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and how, how when you look back on those things, you can see that how, how influenced they are by, you know, social, political things that are changing. It's not just someone thinks of a great idea for, you know, a, a new way to dress or new haircuts. They're sort of the result of a sort of a, you know, social political changes, a reflection of the, the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. uh, and you always have an amazing, you know, take on all that stuff. And, and so what I want to ask you and direct, you know, relationship to that is the time that we're living in now, you know, uh, 2020, there is this, this mad thing happening that, that none of us ever thought we would live through. And so what I'm asking you is this, is how is that, going to influence fashion like what because that to me we're at the beginning of a new decade and this is the the catalyst to change society forever what's that going to look like in terms of fashion slash hair just like the punk thing did in the late 70s 80s or the mm. pop thing in the 60s what would you think that that that, that will look like well again wow what an amazing question um I have various thoughts. I mean, one of the things about the time is that it's been absolutely terrifying in many respects. Yeah. And when I was talking to um, various uh, friends of mine in different parts of the world, um, there were so many different... I mean, I think we've lacked in the world a little bit of leadership um, in terms of how the... Um, this pandemic has been, uh, you know, handled. Um, and in different countries, you know, different things have been said and this and that. And I always think that, you know, the way forward is not the, the easy way. It's never going to be the easy way uh, because the easy way out is just the easy way out. Mm. It's not the way forward. And one of the things that was brought to my attention was the fact that um, the COVID virus can be spread through hair. So, I um, got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about this um, because I would be walking to my local um, post office or, you know, whatever, and some jogger would go swishing past me with the hair in a ponytail. And for all I know, it could have um, spread the virus. So um, I felt that I needed to make some kind of statement about this my myself a personal statement so i contacted a um, news uh, a journalist from a news syndicate and said look um you know i have these ideas regarding um you know the pandemic and, and hair 
And one of the things, and this was a purely practical uh, story, really, in a way, because what I felt was that, A, the culture of the big blow dry, I've never been a huge fan of, I have to say, and that whole celebrity-driven trend of the recent uh, last 10 years in particular has not been anything that's of any interest to me at all. Um, because to me, it's not individual and it's not beautiful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everyone has, it's it's all about the right of the individual and everyone's entitled to their, you know, their style and their opinion. But my opinion differs from the majority. So what I wanted to say was that, um, you know, the, the, the culture of shampooing hair has to be revisited as a ritual or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I think that we need to relearn how to shampoo and condition and uh, protect our hair in the right manner again. And, you know, the whole thing of, um, you know, cut. Now, when I say cut, I would say that the most universal haircut would be the bob. Mm-hmm. It's like a shift dress. Yeah. It suits every uh, female form and male form uh, w- with its dynamic. Mm. And so that would be my starting point, you know, to take her above the shoulder and thereafter and all of the variations that there are uh, would be the perfect anecdote to um, to the pandemic because it can minimalize uh, the spread of, of the, you know, the big blow dry, I think also has kind of had a bit of a kind of uh, death cowl because, you know, in a way, you know, people are not going out anywhere to um, socialize so much. So I think people are rediscovering how their hair can be beautiful naturally. So when I say naturally, I mean shampooed and air dried, because I think a lot of uh, people have no idea what the hair texture is like Mm. and how beautiful it can be and how flattering it can be at Mm. any length. Mm. But it's my job to sell, I believe, um, or to promote the concept of an of a fantastic haircut and color and texture, so you know this is where my heart lies. You know I admire um, you know hairdressing and uh, and all of that stuff, but that is just a choice I made a long time ago that I would champion the grassroots of hairdressing. The thing which um, you know sort of feeds the industry mm. are the skills. And I, I see this as being the opportunity to revisit all of those amazing haircuts, which have not uh, in recent times been showcased uh, to the consumer, as it were. So anyway, I put this story out and it made the Sky, Sky News and it got into the Daily Telegraph yeah. here in the UK, which is, is, is a very sort of cerebral Hmm. newspaper it's a big deal and um i was shocked at the kind of um i noticed that another rival hairdresser did the same story with the daily mail a week later Hmm. um and and i think that that was a good thing too yeah because i think the more that we have a voice within the our industry you know the better and we have to be somewhat um you know controversial yeah I don't think that some of my friends and family thought that it was perhaps quite the right statement for me to make, but I don't, I don't really care what anybody else thinks. I care about what I think is correct for the future of our industry. And mm. we have to reinvest in each other, I, I believe. I think yeah. that, you know, knowledge is, is the key. Education is, it gives you freedom to do what you need to do and, or, or to do what you would like to do. Because I think to do how well, we need to have those skills behind us in order to make hair do what we want it to do mm. and to really explore, you know, the, the options and the choices that there are. Mm. And the, they are, there is infinite variety in hair, long, medium, short, whatever it is. I, I always say, well, it comes in small, medium and large uh, quite often, you know, mm. when I'm talking to people literally. Um, and making a, something of a connection, you know, to fashion. I just mentioned, you know, the shift uh, dress. You know, I think that it seems to me that right now 
it's either about tailoring or very diaphanous clothes that move and have a romantic kind of feel. And it's very much, um, I'm looking to the winter collections and it's very much a fusion of, of, of movement in clothing and, and with tailoring. So you have this kind of edge. I think that probably the ponytail goes with the hoodie and all of that kind of thing. I, I think, uh, you know, as I say, ponytails are all fine and well and good. But I've seen far, I've seen too many of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel as though, in my opinion, the fashion cycle has done its, its it, the, the whole wheel has turned, yeah. as it were. And as hairdressers, I think what, what's happening right now is where it's, it's almost like we're starting all over again. It's very exciting. Mm. And I don't believe in the concept of ABC, basic and all, all of that stuff. I really believe that um, that is all about your level of skill as an individual. I think it's an ind individual thing. And I think everybody from the newest uh, assistant, junior, whatever, trainee, whatever part of the world you're in and whatever you call that, are just as important as the most prolific art creative director of a salon or artistic director, salon directors, you know, whatever you want to call those. Um, I think this is equally an important journey for us all to go on um, together. And my, I, you know, my hair world is really all about being on that, on that journey. Okay, well, let me let me How come let, let me come back to that because I want to ask you about your future direction with this new project you've yeah. got. You know, Timmy Hartley Hair World. But you know, when I was Tim Hartley, yeah. Tim Hartley Hair World. Sorry, <clears throat> uh, when I was you know thinking about what I said before, where you know, I think a lot of people they they just they don't understand where fashion comes from. They, they just sort of think that someone goes away and thinks of a great idea for a new dress, you know, or, or a new haircut. And they, they don't necessarily sit back and look at how it's a reflection of the times that we live in. You know, like after the Second World War, where it was all doom and gloom, what did we have in the 50s? We had glamour. So it was a complete, you know, 360-degree turnaround or 180-degree turnaround, you know, to, to live in a more glamorous world. And now we live in this world where for the last 10, arguably 20 years, so all of this, you know, we're in 2020 now. Um, God, that's gone fast, hasn't it? 2020. Um, that, that there's been long hair. Mm. And, that, and yet you and I were working in the 80s where it was predominantly short hair. And as an industry, okay, it's been really good for the colour side of business, but as an industry, we're, we're looking at it going, when is there going to be a revival of short hair? Because you can't keep, you know, doing the same old long hair with beachy waves and balayage forever. And so what you're suggesting is that this is potentially the catalyst for shorter hair coming back mm -hmm. because of what you were saying about, you know, you, there's a girl runs past you with long hair swinging about, and it, it, is that – is it about going back to this is the catalyst to come back to short hair? Because it's so refreshing now when you see a short haircut, isn't it? I mean, I, I there's someone we both know, um, Mark and Tracy, their daughter, uh, Lucy Ray. Okay. I happened to see her on Instagram the other day. And here's this girl. I mean, no one knows who we're talking about, but you don't need to know. Uh you know, she's a 24-year-old, beautiful young woman, and she's got this little Audrey Hepburn haircut. And it was just, you saw it, and it was like, oh, my God, that is so refreshing. And the world needs this change, doesn't they? With hair, there needs to be a change of direction. And you think that now's the, the catalyst potentially but for that shift? What I would say is that even, you know, during my career path, you know, I mean, I've seen trends come and go. Um, you know, by the ton. And there's always been some people who are long hair, some people who are mid-length mm. and short. Um, I think the problem right now is that everybody's tending to look the same, whether you've got good hair or not. Long hair is fantastic for people who've got amazing hair. Yeah, It's no good for people who've got fine hair or difficult mm. hair. It, 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 it's not going to be their best friend. Mm. But, you know, with the right kind of... Um, you know, guidance from our stylists and, uh, you know, the hair world in general, um, apart from my hair world, um, mm. you know, we can provide 
inspiration to move forward and do something different. It's always, you know, I would say for long hair, it has to be the right kind of long hair. So maybe now's the time, you know, to have a fringe and layers and do something that is a little bit more of a statement. It's time, you know, for the hair to come up onto the shoulders to free it so that it moves. Yeah. You know, hair has a character and a feel uh, that's an extension of you, you know. And um, I feel as though words like suitability um, get sort of um, blurred these days because not everybody is beautiful enough to just wear long hair scraped back in a ponytail. Yeah. I think some of us need a little bit more help yeah. than that. Mm. And, and I think some people are desperate for that help and they're not getting it. And, um, you know, I think here is an opportunity to sort of jump in there and, and, and do something which, you know, it's very easy for um, mediocrity to become your habit. Mm. So if you, if you just do long, boring hair all the time and, and okay, if you enjoy blow drying hair and getting carpal tunnel and, you know, wearing yourself out, your wrist out with, with endless blow drying. To me, that's not, that's not the future of hair. Mm. You know, that to me is, that takes us backwards 30 years to the days when hair was all about just about being a service for rich, capricious women who didn't come be bothered to do their own hair. Mm. And, you know, I think that, you know, hair needs to be something that we take ownership of and we participate in ourselves. And as I say, you know, like every head of hair has a natural way of looking great. But unfortunately, a lot of people are just not aware of, of what that would be yep. in this day and age because we've become very far removed from the days where, um, you know, of, of course, a lot of women go, asking for advice. Um, but a lot of, in a lot of times, I see the client telling the hairdresser how to cut their hair and how they want it dried and mm. all the rest of it. And that's not the way it goes. Mm. That's not making the best mm. of a two-way street. Yeah. That is not making the best of a person who is highly skilled and can make you look more beautiful. That is not the way to do it. Mm. And I see it time and time again. Yeah, it's a tail wagging the dog. And it? it's mm. the tail wagging the dog. I love that expression, mm. yeah. And I really, I, I don't have anything to do with um, anything like that because I like to talk to my clients, my models. I like to get them involved. You know, Anna, who's in my new collection, she saw the story in the Telegraph or she heard about it mm. and when her agent had said to her she's actually a dancer this girl very beautiful girl long long hair she looked fantastic anyway and she got to know about the story and did a little bit of uh, research about me and decided that she really wanted to do this um, this project so we did a, a casting you know in FaceTime and I spoke to her and, you know, I got her to show me, you know, her hairline and tell me what her dream haircut would be. And, you know, just to really get into the whole psychology of, of a haircut, because it's far more than just a technique and a look. Yeah. It is a science and it's a, and it's a psychology in a way, mm. because we have, you know, with, with this pair of scissors, we can change people's lives or we can make it pretty miserable as well as mm. it being a positive experience you yeah, know yeah. and i feel as though that sort of two-way thing of communication between the hairdresser and the clients is quite often gone and there's a almost sort of dismissive uh servile uh kind of attitude towards some of the services that happen in you know within salons mm. can, can you teach what you're talking about i i think that it's like leadership i think that certain things uh, leadership and creativity, I think there's certain things we have inherently yeah. and we do them naturally without realising it. However, I think there's always room to be improved on. Mm. I think that when I, I remember, um, I've been thinking a lot about you know my career and one of the things which uh, happened to me was that uh, 
you know, I was working with, with some really talented people, a guy called Stacey Broughton and, you know, lots of fabulous people at the time that were really passionate and just having fun cutting hair. We didn't realize that we would be influential within the industry. Mm. And that's the fabulous thing about hairdressing is that it, it's something that you can absorb yourself in, but who knows where it's going to lead to in the future. Mm. I had no idea that, you know, the Bauhaus was celebrating 100 years uh, last year. Mm. And they contacted um, uh, Sassoon to ask them, because obviously when I was at Sassoon, we did an exhibit at the Bauhaus for one of Vidal's mm. anniversaries. And um, so as far as the hair history is concerned, the Bauhaus has a place uh, with Sassoon. Now, I was really proud, again, from um, the point of view of uh, one of the best Sunday newspapers, The Observer, uh, do a, did a design, they do a design supplement. I think they do it twice a year. Yeah. And I was in Milan, I'd just done a show, and I was by La Scala having a, an Aperol spritz. Like you do. Like yeah. you do. Mm. And I was sitting there, and I got a message from Tom O'Connell. All right, okay. And he said to me, Tim, look at this, it's one of yours. <laughs> and it was my haircut in uh, the story of uh, the Bauhaus. Wow. In, uh, in the Observer magazine. Yeah. And they'd chosen my picture. Well, I can't tell you, I wanted to cry, I was so thrilled. Yeah. Because it didn't have my name on that, but the fact that an amazingly talented hairdresser like Tom yeah. who, again, is, is about the future. We're all about the future. Yeah. We have to be, as you are, mm. and that's why you're talking to me mm. now. So I just, I thought, oh, God, I could shed a tear here. Mm. But I had my workmates with me. I had Hero um, from uh, Osaka, mm. and I had Dean Bradwell with me, and uh, I was so proud of this thing, and I just had to show them all. Mm. And the client who very kindly, it looked after us so well. You know, we did a beautiful show in Milan. And, um, and they, you, you know, I, I love that fact that you go to a city like that and the Italians are, you know, they're so proud of, of their, you know, their heritage and yeah. all the things that they want to show you. And there's the, the biggest Prada, the side of Christendom yeah, yeah. over <laughs> at the side of me. And I, I, can, I can breathe in the fashion, you know. It was just yeah. an absolutely beautiful moment. But just going back to, you know, what you were saying, mm. um, who would have believed that? You know, when all of those years ago I was in Leeds and this girl was walking down uh, Albion Street. She was at Leeds University. Absolutely beautiful girl. And I said to her, can I cut your hair? And we, we, uh, we cropped it and tinted it orange and mm. plaited the back and did the buccaneer haircut. And then we did the kabuki. Yeah. Uh, a little bit later on, you know, we bleached the smithereens out of the hair, root permed it, and then sent it fire engine red mm. and bright yellow. I mean, who would have believed it? Mm. You know, fit for purpose or what? You know, useful yeah, yeah. hair. You know, uh, I mean. And very was, much a reflection of the times. It was a reflection the of the 80s, time. You know, and, the punk thing, but making it art. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you then, you, you had this new project, uh, which is great. Here you are, uh, as I said, we're no longer 25, uh, but you have this new project, which you're as excited about as you've ever been, uh, called Tim Hartley Hair World. What is Tim Hartley Hair World? And when are you going to launch it? And when is everyone going to get to find out what it's about? Well, I'm extremely uh, excited, nervous, and every the whole gamut of emotions about this, because it really is... Um, kind of a bit of a dream come true, really, in a way, because it's a place um, for everything, you know, in my world. And as I touched on a little bit um, before, I believe that um, where we're at right now is a bit like starting all over again. So what we've done is to go back to the, to go back to our roots, our grassroots approach, um, but I've made it high fashion because I don't believe in there being a separation between the two anymore. And I feel as though we have to kind of, you know, I think that, yeah, the Mohawk and punk and all of those things, they're firmly placed, but they're placed in history. Mm -hmm. They're not placed in the now. 
Yeah, I think that there are always going to be references to those things, mm. which I think is is incredible. And of course, you know, punk, you know, w- was one of my, you know, punk, new wave, new romantic, mod, all of these different youth cultures were all things that I lived through, you know, mm. as a kid. Yeah. And um, when you're, you youngsters, you know, you're, when you're young, you're kind of uh, obsessed with um, music, clothes, having fun, getting your end away, yeah. whatever, you yeah. know, having sex for the first time. Oh, my God, you know, yeah. all of those things. You can't wait to get at it. You yeah, know? Yeah. And, um, and that, I, I think that sort of cultural, we're in such a massive cultural shift now yeah. that it's time to really sort of start over. And I feel as though that's the future. You know, and I want to explore a simple line, a simple graduation, a simple layering technique. Mm. But I want to bring them firmly and fast into the now and the future rather than them being something that's kind of mothballed. Right. So it's an education training system. Yes. For today. For today. Right. And I think that, you know, for me, it says everything about uh, what is on trend and uh, in my opinion, and I think it's important to have a, an opinion and a voice, you know, yeah. within, within our industry. And, you know, I think some people sometimes think that can be a little bit opinionated or whatever, but you know, what the heck, because in a way, if you, if you're not, who, who's going to listen to you? Mm. And um, yeah, so this is an opportunity for what I would say, what I call the hair involved, and, you know, one way or another, we're all hair involved. Yeah. You know, I the first thing I look at when I saw you today is your hair, and I thought, whoa, is the old boy's looking good. I thought you, I, I thought you would have thought I need a haircut. No, I, I, think, <laughs> I think your hair looks great. And, great. you know, to me, um, you know, we are hair involved. Hmm. And it's for the hair involved from the youngest uh, apprentice to the most advanced stylist hmm. or creative director, yeah. whatever, because I think there's something in here which, um, you know, right down to the, you know, the look and feel of what I wanted to do was I wanted to make the models feel a little bit in, uh, involved. Mm-hmm. So one of the things which I think is an important part of training is that, you know, I talk about the, the consultation and why I've chosen that haircut for this particular individual and why I think it's going to be, you know, perfect for them. Mm-hmm. I also like uh, for our audience to, to be able to see something of the personality of the girl and the reason why I've chosen that particular look for them. Yeah. And I think all of them look kind of cool to start with, mm-hmm. but the makeovers are just quite extraordinary. So on Anna, for instance, the girl who'd seen the uh, story in the in the Telegraph, she was so excited about having a new look, mm. and she embraced it. You know, she was taking selfies in her phone in the back of the car the whole way to the station mm, to drop her off to go home. Yeah, great. And she just she didn't want to leave. Yeah, yeah. She didn't really want to get that train. She yeah. wanted to stay longer and do more pictures and sure. and do and we could have we could have been there for another two hours yeah. easily. Yeah. But what I've tried to do also is to achieve something in a timely fashion because when you look at a lot of creations and things, they might have taken hours and hours to do. It can take all day mm. to do a color or whatever. But I wanted these techniques to be done in a timely fashion mm. which can be achievable for people in the salon yeah so that we're talking about a reality here we're not talking about an ideal which is up on a pedestal mm. you know i don't want to put women and men up on pedestals like mm. the fashion was probably in the 70s or in the 80s perhaps mm. you know today i think it's about being a lot more real and and i think that those makeovers are a vital um, ingredient, you know, in the whole story. And I want to invite my guests into my world, you know, the, the Tim Hartley's hair world. Yeah. So it's about, um, you know, technique. It's about feeling. It's about flair. It's about all of those things which we need to be mindful of developing mm. along 
our career path, you know, yeah. because luckily, you know, we're all in for, for the long haul. Mm. And from the get-go, it needs to be, um, well, you need to be on this journey and you need, it needs to be the right one. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be an online learning platform. So uh, that will be about haircuts, colours and more. And more. I mean, I think as because, you know, we, we can't predict the future. We only have the now. And that's why I call the collection the new now. Yeah. And the new now, um, as I say, is about being inclusive. And it's about that infinite variety in a way. Yeah. So I want to try and show a different, you know, a different way of looking at something which is cool. perhaps yeah. uh, something that we would consider um, quite normal, but in actual fact, it's quite rarefied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. a way, okay. you know. So when I when I look at, I, I see it really happening a lot mm. now because you know, really directional. Um, you know, uh, designers are choosing models with, with great haircuts again. Mm. And, you know, subliminally, this is really, you know, into influencing, you know, fashion. That's what fashion is all about. And some people say, well, once, you know, people adopt the fashion, it's not fashion anymore. Mm. Um, but I don't even, I think that's a very highbrow sort of 80s yeah, yeah. way of looking at fashion. Mm. And, you know, it's a kind of overblown, important way of saying, something about fashion sure you know yeah. fashion is about what people want mm. and i think it needs to be about giving people what they want mm. and you know what i would say to you most people don't know the hell what they want really okay well, well i'm going <laughs> to come back to that in some okay. shape or form. okay all right um so where can people find out more about tim hartley hair world when is it going to be launched well i'm hoping in the next two weeks so covid dependent yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that you know, we what we tried to do was to do everything correctly mm -hmm. to keep everybody safe. Yeah, I'm very mindful of that. Mm. I think we we're all extremely nervous about doing a project after sure. so long. Um, and then as things started to open up, um, we did. You know, social distancing is a really hard thing to do for a hairdresser, big time. Yeah, and um, you know, but. We did it, and we did it correctly. And I feel as though it was so kind of liberating in a, in a, in a way. I mean, we, we talk about, um, you know, being kind and the, and the new nights and, uh, you know, whatever. Everyone's had a lot of time to contemplate and think about uh, the future. Um, what I think, though, is that you have to, in a way, you have to have an awareness of where you've been to know where you're going. Yeah. And any study that you're going to have, um, then I think that we need to discuss, you know, where the roots of the idea are mm. and where we're taking it now. Mm. And that's the thing that, that makes it relevant. Okay. And w what makes it even more relevant is when the girl loves it. Yeah, yeah, it helps. <laughs> you know, because yeah. of tears and I don't want yeah. to deal with any of that. It's because you've captured the essence of them and sometimes in a way that they didn't even know was there. Exactly. And that you've and seen that and understood that. And that is magic when you do that, you know. Uh, and if you're lucky enough to be a hairdresser and achieve that with clients, it's a it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, I will put the URL uh, into the show notes. People can go and check this out because I, I know it's going to be a – uh, a fantastic thing, and, and I know it'll be cutting edge, and it'll be uh, so of the now. So let's make sure they do that. So let, let me just move on another question. You, you've alluded to, I mean, everyone knows, you know, Tim Hartley, Sassoon, um, and that you were the international creative director for 14-odd uh, years, um, and, you know, were responsible for the direction of the brand for, for that period of time. Um, and then you left. and. You, I mean, and that's 14, 15 years ago now, mm. uh, you, you left. And since then, you've still been producing work, uh, quite a lot of work. You've been doing shows and seminars and photographs and videos, etc. Mm. But I can't help but noticing when I look at it that it's different, that it's shifted, um, and not in a bad way, in a, in, a, in a good way. And so what I want to ask you is, 
obviously you have the Sassoon heritage mm. that, you know, runs deep through every, you know, cell of your body. Mm. Um, and that is your philosophy, your fundamentals about how you do hair have come from that. Yeah. But I often wonder about when you're in that position that you were in, you know, International Creative Director for Sassoon, that does that heritage restrict your thinking and restrict what you can do? Because since you've left Sassoon, your work has got a different feel to it. It's got a different look about it. It's got a different take on beauty because it's Tim Hartley. It's not the heritage of Vidal Sassoon brand. Talk to us about that. It's not even a question. It's more an observation as to where do you, how do you address that? Well, you you know, if you're the sort of keeper of a legacy, if you like, you know, I, I think that that was a, I always felt that there was a certain responsibility uh, that went with that towards um, Vidal and our clients because, um, you know, that was just the way it was. And then when I was actually free, once I was free, I thought to myself, well, I can do, I always did sort of push it a little bit with my pink holes and finger waves and uh little bits and bobs of fashion elements that I brought to Sassoon. I think that is the one thing that, you know, Vidal and Christopher Brooker even said to me, Tim, you know, you brought fashion to the art team. So, you know, that was my sort of uh, legacy at at Sassoon and all all that stuff through the 90s. But, you know, moving forward, what I wanted to do was I felt that particularly at the time when I did uh, move on, I wanted to explore um, the concept of, of a simple thing like pink curling hair mm-hmm. and how it, um, you know, takes everything into a totally different sort of stratosphere in a way. I became, you know, sort of much freer. And then I think I was looking for um, something that had the glamour, but it also had an edge. I think that little bit of hardness um, you know, we'll balance out something in fashion and make it appropriate for the time, as in a little dash of uh, vulgarity mm-hmm. or a little dash of punk mm-hmm. or a dash of subversive, um, you know, rubber, a bit of latex, <laughs> you know. I mean, they've all become mainstream themes in high fashion now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but back in the day, they were, they were highly, um, you know, sort of subjective and subversive. Yeah, uh, subjects you know to hit on. Yeah, and I, I thrived on those. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that was the kind of meat on the bones for me. You know, that was the thing yeah. that I could upset everybody with. Yeah, okay. Because when, uh, yeah, so I, I mean, that was just my being a little bit. That's all right. Let, let, let me ask you this mischievous or whatever. There was a a podcast I did um, three or four months ago with Guido. Yeah. And uh, who we both admire, you know, enormously for his yeah, work. Love, love, love what he does. And, and there was a question <clears throat> I asked him. I, I said, you know, you've been doing here for you know thirty, forty years or whatever, um, and you do such a a huge cross section of 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 looks. And is there one element that runs through all of them? Because it wasn't obvious to me. And he. When he reflected on that, because I'm going to ask you the same question in a minute. Well, when he reflected on that, he said to me that he would like to think that if there was, you know, one element that ran through everything he did, no matter how glamorous or or whatever it was perceived to be, that there was a little bit of punk in everything. Mm. So I'm asking you that question. If you had to look at your body of work over the last 40 years, is there one thing, because, again, there's a huge you know, back catalogue of work that you've done. Is there one word that you would say that you would like to think is a common thread that runs through everything? Well, I'd love to think that it would it was beauty and glamour, really, in a way, because that's what we um, aspire to. I particularly loved, for instance, when people like Yves Saint Laurent, Halston, you know, on the on the high fashion side of the 70s, mm. they made simple, you know, shirt dresses in beautiful fabrics that clung to the body in an incredibly sexy way. You know, the bias cut of uh, clothing, you know, swang around the body and made yeah. the body uh, the hero 
of the of the garment, you know, not just the garment. It was about the body as well. Mm. And what I realized when I when I was sort of looking at um, particularly, um, you know, fashion in the seventies, um, I particularly. Um, yeah, when I looked at fashion in the 70s, uh, I, I felt that there was a kind of electric glamour. So it was kind of almost like a kind of punk glamour that, um, that was a prelude to Roxy Music and Bowie and all of those things, yeah. which we all grew to love um, around the end of the 70s and going into the 80s. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was a, a really important influential time wasn't it you know that you forget about like or, well you don't forget about it you know as soon as you say well, we music it. you Today, know i think we probably take it for granted yeah and uh you know like electric music good dance music you know yeah. there's a huge 90s yeah. revival at the moment so people want to go to raves they want to have you know floppy hair to the cheekbone yeah and you know that whole thing of rave culture grunge it's back on the on the uh, on the radar a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think it's partly because of the age group of people who are influential in fashion because that's their moment. Yeah. In in a sense, do you know? Yeah, what I'm yeah, yeah. No, so, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, we and in you know 2020 at the moment, um, and at this point in time, we're you know at the end of August. Um, we are celebrating. I don't know if you know this. Uh, we're celebrating Instagram. It's 10 years old. Oh, wow. That's all. Okay. Not very long, is it? 10 years, no. that's all we've had. And yet it has totally monopolized the last decade. Um, what What do you sort of think about that? What do you think about how has Instagram influenced hair fashion? And how has it in- influenced, in fact, not just Instagram, social media, how has it influenced hairdressing education well that's a great question i think it is the future of education in many respects you know online and what i love about instagram is it's such a a minefield of information Mm. and anybody who has whose hair involved or has a an interest in in hair and fashion and beauty it is the place to go Mm. And I'd like my hair world to be the same. Yeah, yeah. In ten years' time. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things that you touched on, and I know that you'll you you could go on about this for, forever. That, that didn't sound positive, but it's meant in a positive way. Yep. Is you were talking about how you lived through that, and you mentioned I lived through the new romantics, and I lived through you know the punk and yeah. whatever you know, and and so. You know, you eat, sleep, and breathe it, and it reflects in your work. And as you were saying that, I was thinking about, yeah, because I know you and I know where you live and I know, you know, like the circles that you're in and the music that you listen to, et cetera. But someone listening to this in, say, California, mm-hmm. in Arizona, yeah. in, in Brisbane, whatever, mm. they have very different references that they live in a very different sort of world, different ecosystem system. In a lot of ways, uh, a lot of ways is some of these things, music, for example, uh, uh, they might originate here or originate in Seattle or wherever, mm. but they become global very quickly. Again, it's one of my questions. It isn't really a question. It's yeah. really something I want you to talk to, which is, you talk about all this stuff because it's part of who you are, because it's part of the ecosystem that you exist in. Mm. But some young hairdresser, old hairdresser, whatever age hairdresser, living in a completely different country, different environment, how do you talk to them about this? What, what, what should they do or think or well, what, what, what should they draw on from their environment? Mm. Well, I think it's a question that you have to be, um, not to take uh, to think about too hard, really. I think, in a way, it's all about looking at things and deciding what you like, and listening to things and deciding, you know, what you like. So, I think it's a, very much about the awareness of what's around us, um, wherever in the world you are. There's something in the atmosphere 
that makes a certain type of music, mm. a certain haircut, a certain style of dressing that makes it appropriate for the now. Mm. And I think that this is, you know, it's universal really now. I think that the fact that we have something like Instagram mm. and hopefully Hair World will do the same job mm. is that, um, you know, you can look at what's the latest thing in Vogue, what's the newest thing from Yves Saint Laurent, from Chanel, from whoever it is, or it could be Supreme or Palace skateboards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it could be everything from the street to the from from the penthouse to the pavement, mm. as they used to say in the eighties. <laughs> there was actually a song about that, and um, you know, so that's the wonderful thing about now is that you can dip in and out of street culture, mm. uh, low and high culture, and it doesn't matter at all because it's all about a fusion of those things. Mm. And you do that fusion really well. Uh, I, well, I hope that you, because I, I think that um, it's important to just develop a natural interest mm. in stuff. And, you know, stuff can be any stuff that you like. Mm. And um, it would be wrong of me to say, that anything uh, is right or the wrong way or, you know, whatever. However, I think it's so important to have to have heroes and to have passions and little crushes on things. And, mm. you know, it's important to have that emotion going through, you, you know, your, your whole experience, you know. Yeah. And particularly, I think because whatever you choose to do when you – you know, for the future, for your your career and how to be, you know, better at it. Um, you know, it takes a lot of your time and your energy and it's hopefully a long career path for everybody. Mm. And it's a fantastic journey. And I think once you're on that journey, you know, the magic begins and you become, you develop yourself, you invent yourself really in a way. You know, I think amazing people. Um are unique and they sort of we're all unique and we all invent ourselves mm. yeah, in a definitely. way. Yeah. But you know, we need um, you know, people to follow. And um and I think that that's vitally important. Yeah. Okay. Well Tim, we have um unfortunately come to the end. Ah. Uh, uh, where can people follow you on Instagram? On Tim Hartley Hairworld. On Tim Hartley Hairworld again yeah. at, at Tim Hartley Hairworld. That okay. is my uh, professional uh, Instagram, as it were, as professional as I will ever be. Okay, well, it, it, will, <laughs> it will be there, and I highly recommend people go and check it out so that you can see some of the the body of work that uh, that Tim has uh, done over the years and the influence that he's had on hairdressers everywhere um, in the world. Uh, so if you've been listening to this podcast with Tim Hartley and you've enjoyed it, then please take a screenshot of it and uh, post it to your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us in it. We would really appreciate that. So, Tim, we need to wrap up. Have you got any final words for our audience today? I just want the new now to be full of love and passion. Beautiful. That's the perfect place to end. <laughs> Tim Hartley, thank you very much for being on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Thank you, Anthony. I'd like to finish up this episode with a shout out to my good friend, Paul Deere, for taking the time to review us on Apple Podcasts. Paul gave us another five-star review and wrote, Anthony, what an inspiring interview of your life to date. I always reference you when I deliver my Cut Like a Masterclass as a go-to reference for all the hairdressing community to learn and to grow their salon business. You and your guests join me every morning when I walk my dogs. So keep up the inspiring podcast. Regards, your good friend, Paul Deere. Thank you, Paul, for the friendship and the endorsement. It's very much appreciative. That is also exactly when I listen to podcasts every morning when I walk my dog. It's a great way to start the day. Now, if you too would be so kind as to leave us a review, we would be very appreciative. Just go to Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom of the page, select ratings and reviews, and write a review. It's simple and it'll only take a minute. But by doing it, it helps other people find us. But more importantly, it motivates us to keep producing great content for you. So until next time, stay safe and be kind to your fellow man. This is Anthony Whitaker on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. 
wishing you well in these challenging and somewhat difficult times. So bye for now. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.